is decoding the crime verse. Welcome to Decoding the Crime Verse. I am Nalzi Lee. And she's Danny. <laughs> Sorry, the record. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. We're just gonna. Guys, the people I'm in a room with are very strange. <laughs> just tell you. It all comes with the territory. Hey, I don't understand why we're friends. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, today. Prison, break-ins, bank robberies, bombs, getaways. Everything. We have it all. Epic. Epicness. Yes. Okay. Right? We decided to give you basically a movie. <laughs> yep. So something you watch in the TV shows. But no, it happened. So in the 1980s, there was a terrifying pattern combining bank robberies, home invasions, and taking families of bank executives hostage for years. My voice went funny there. <laughs> well, yes, federal agents track their suspects always one step behind. Today, we will look at the crime spree of our two suspects, Jerry Connors and Joseph Dacherty. JJ, for sure. Which one? Both of them. They JJ together. But Terry. Not oh, I thought you said Jerry. No, I was like, Jerry sounds like a banker. Okay, Terry we, sounds we, like... We're going to call them TJ together. But Terry doesn't sound like a bankrupt anyway. Apparently, Terry was the brains. He even wears glasses. Terry sounds like <laughs> Terry. Joseph. Terry looks and sounds like he could be someone's. No, he looks creepy. He looks like a serial killer. He honestly looks like Zodiac vibes. He with does. The glasses, mm. right? Is that him? No. No. They weren't no. at the same time. Yeah, this was in the 80s. Zodiac was 50s. Yes. Oh, trying 40s. to think about my date somewhere there. <laughs> 50s, 40s, 60s. We have a date range. Because <laughs> please note, we know about crime, but these details, we don't keep them in the back of I our heads. I don't remember so half of the details from last week's show. No, just but, by the way. Well, my, you know what? My This is a side note. My history teacher always said that when he, when we wrote exams and tests, he was never going to ask us what dates yeah. things happened. Because he said, you can Google a date. Yeah. But if you learn the the, the meaning behind it and the motives and the, the, the consequences, that's what he was trying to test. Your history teacher is nice. They I asked know, us for dates. I miss him. <laughs> he said as long as you didn't tell him that World War One happened in 1845, you were really good. Didn't it? I'm joking. <laughs> Nolene, don't give me stress. So, I was about to say so early in the day, but it's already the afternoon here. So <laughs> that's not a thing. So, these two convicted felons basically met in prison and often what happens in prison people learn new techniques and find new partners well what they should be doing is being rehabilitated that's the word i was going to say instead they are learning new things yeah <laughs> so hectic in 1982, a group of former inmates began a spree of kidnapping and robbery. For years, the suspects used false names and a network of criminal contacts to elude capture. So, on the 
December 28, 1982 in Oklahoma City. The Oklahoma City Bank Vice President Steve Thompson and his wife Ellen arrived home from a holiday party when a car pulled up at their house and outstepped two men claiming to be FBI agents. But on asking for identification, the men forced them into their house via gunpoint. The leader then began interrogating Thompson about the bank where he worked. Thompson gave him info about the bank's complex security system but didn't give him names of the people with the combinations to try to keep them safe. Yeah. Loyal Thompson. We support people like Thompson. Do we? He told him everything else. Yeah, but he kept the people safe. And they can't get into the safe without the combinations. So technically... Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. The leader warned Thompson to follow his orders exactly and... He was trying to make the point that if anyone sets off the alarms or anything went wrong and police came, that he would kill the police. So they were basically saying, listen to us, do what you're told, or people will get hurt. The gunmen held them hostage overnight, and an hour before dawn, they forced the Thompsons to drive them to the bank. They then waited for the employees to arrive, and within 30 minutes, the gunmen had hundreds and of thousands of dollars in hand. They placed the manager in the restrooms and told him not to come out for five minutes. However, he waited about a minute and a half before coming out and the robbers seemed to have fled and he then called the police. The Oklahoma City Police then contacted the FBI and Special Agent Mike Cycle took the call. And I didn't know this, but apparently in America, bank robberies are jurisdiction of the FBI. Yeah. So they were obviously... In and this meant that a nationwide police force would then investigate the crime. Would you not accuse Thompson though? If I was an FBI agent, I'm sorry, you you came with them to work, but you and were held they, at gunpoint. I don't know that they could be working for him. That is true. And he's acting, and now he's enjoying all the monies. So the Thompsons described the ordeal, which began in their homes, and. They described how no one was hurt, but it was a sophisticated, well-planned crime and no evidence was left behind. The robbers must have struck before. So they, I mean, often we find this, they might have done smaller things because it takes planning. You can't just do it right the first time. And no similar robberies had occurred in that area in the past. So the agents of the FBI then searched the database to see if anything similar had been committed elsewhere and found a national file of robbery cases which included invasions of bank employees' homes. They then spoke to a special agent in the Phoenix FBI, immediately identified two bank robbers, Terry Connor and Joseph Dacherty. Witness descriptions also then matched the felons. Yeah. So... They then realized these must be our guys, and they then learned that Connor and Dacherty had met in federal prison. Terry Connors was the leader, and he had committed three bank robberies in Arizona. Each time, he and his partner held the bank employees hostage overnight. Joe Dacherty was just a thug from Philadelphia with no sophisticated MO. So when they joined up, they took on Terry's pattern, and then Joe kind of was just like the muscle. Upon investigations, they discovered that Connor had a girlfriend that lived in Pacific Grove, California, and they wondered if then Terry was heading in that direction. So they put surveillance into place. While doing a spot check on the residence, they discovered a vehicle parked out front with an Oklahoma license plate. But when they phoned the Oklahoma City office, there was no record of that vehicle. So obviously he had purchased it under a false 
name. Yeah. When speaking to the gardener, they discovered that the robbers had not been at the house yet, but he had recalled overhearing the girlfriend talking about meeting up with Connor the following week. So now they had a lead. Mm. Agent then followed Connor's girlfriends for days, learning that she drove several different cars. They placed tracking devices on each of them with receivers, and the FBI cars and airplanes would then track everywhere she drove. But Isn't on, that cool? Right. At least you die. Wow. <laughs> on the day she was supposed to meet Connor, they lost signal. Eventually, they did pick up the signal again, where they spotted a car in front of a restaurant, but there was no sign or the girl, of the girlfriend or Terry Connor. They established then a full-time coverage on the car until something happened, which means they didn't let the car out of sight until they, well, had something. Yeah. They also let out the ears of the the air out of the tires so that they couldn't drive away in if they spotted the FBI. Yeah. There was a very long out long hour stakeout, but it paid off because Terry Connor then drove into the parking lot with his girlfriend. The suspect was known to carry weapons, so the tactical arrest team needed to be very cautious and take the lead. And they gave Terry Connor no opportunity to flee. The girlfriend was questioned and released after investigations as it determined she was not involved. But she's driving different cars. What did she think was happening? And the agents then discovered nearly $40,000 in the trunk of the car. And there were several of the serial numbers matched the money stolen from the Oklahoma City robbery. The agents also found a large diamond and dealer's receipts for six more. So he probably was stealing the money buying diamonds and then selling the diamonds. But remember back in the, the days d- yeah. in, in banks, they also kept diamonds. I didn't know that. Yeah. There was like a I special knew, room. I knew, I, I knew, I know, for example, in South Africa, it was a thing that if you went to the bank and you had a hundred rand and you gave them the hundred rand, they had to give you a hundred rand worth of gold. That's what gave our, val- our money value. Mm. So if you if you wanted, you could exchange all your, your money for gold. Yeah. It's weight in gold. Mm. Um, I don't think they do that anymore. No. Nope. I don't think we have that much gold. But yeah. Okay. So Connor was then charged with the Oklahoma City robbery. In handing over his personal effects during the intake process, something of interest emerged as they found a sales receipt for a Renault for, from a car dealership and the buyer was listed as Russell Anderson, which was an alias. And it had given an address in Santa Maria, California. They then checked the house, but it seemed that it had been abandoned. And there was no one occupying it. And during this time, so even though his partner was in prison, Joe Dacrity continued to rob a banks using the same method that Connor had taught him. Yeah. Although without Terry Connor controlling Dacrity, he was a loose cannon. For eight months, there was no sign of Joe anywhere. Then in Phoenix, uh, the night before the busiest shopping day of the year, uh, the vice president, which I'm assuming is Black Friday, the vice president of the large area bank returned home with his family from Thanksgiving dinner with their relatives. Their home had appeared to be burglarized, but the intruders hadn't left. Through the night, the two robbers held the banker and his family hostage, and Joe Dacrity had now a new partner. 
The next morning, Joe Dacrity and his new partner were ready to rob the bank. They would use the banker's car for transportation with his children as collateral. In less than two hours, they would drive to the bank, empty the vault, and escape with $270,000 in cash, leaving the family frightened but unharmed. The banker described the assailant, saying both were wearing wigs and the bigger one was in charge. Dacrity and his new partner were more violent and with their threatening than with than what he had been with Connor. Mm. But again, they had left no evidence and no leads. Six months later, 900 miles to the northwest, the local police called the FBI to another bank robbery. And once again, it had proceeded with the hostage being taken. But this time, the level of violence had increased as there was now a bomb. They had strapped it around the bank officer, indicating that it was explosive and that if he didn't do what he was told, then they would detonate it. <sighs> the bomb specialist then freed the terrified bank officer and sent him out to safety. He then cut out the power supply, but actually determined the device was a fake. You know what? It's actually not a bad idea to use a fake bomb. I mean... If you put something on me and told me it was a yeah, bomb, I'd I, believe you. I'd believe you. Yeah. I really am going to believe you. But with it being fake, you then lose the risk of accidentally setting it off. Yeah. So, I mean, if you put something onto me that had like blocks of gray thing and a beep, oh my goodness, I would be like, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Just tell me what to do. Have my kidney, have everything. I don't care. I really would. This is very interesting. So the first guy, how many did he commit before? So he had committed three before he got into prison. Then he committed the one before they caught him. That's then like, this other guy had committed more. But before he got into prison, it wasn't sophisticated. Yeah. It was more small MO type yeah. of things. Then he met this, guy. met this guy and carried on. But don't worry, Terry Connors comes back. Okay. <laughs> Our story's not done, guys. <laughs> These people, guys, I was watching, I was reading into this and I was just like, Wow. This is the time. <laughs> you know how we say we get boring criminals? These are not boring criminals, I promise. <laughs> okay. The bank officer told the FBI that him and his family had been held hostage at gunpoint overnight by two men wearing wigs. Witnesses had seen a white sedan with Washington State plates speeding away from the bank after the robbery. So agents searched the area. They found the vehicle abandoned less than 200 yards from the Renault FBI office. It seemed Joe was boldly challenging the FBI. Hectic. They traced the plates and found it had recently been purchased by a man matching Joe's description and a pregnant woman, which was they supposed was Joe's girlfriend. Mm. And the U.S. Marshals were then called in. The Marshals painstakingly followed a complex trail of cars, aliases, and eventually got a break as they discovered a car accident report linking one of Dacrity's aliases to an address in Idaho. Mm. Since the house appeared to be abandoned when they went there, the marshals interviewed neighbors, and one woman immediately recognized the robber, though obviously he had given her a different name. She said that he had the peculiar habit of shooting pistols in the backyard, but a week earlier they had packed up and moved. The moving truck rental records were then subpoenaed. That one. <laughs> <didn't find> it. <laughs> like, it's not Warren, but okay. So they got the moving truck rental records for the area and they determined that Joe's girlfriend had rented one under a false name and driven to Colorado. That's another thing. Do you see how fast they were moving around? Yeah. Different names. Like they were. 
And she's telling me the, the girls didn't know that. No, man. Unacceptable. Yeah, the, the Terry's girlfriend. Mm. The first time he says change your name, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Sorry, the man walked in with like how much cash? Exactly. Where, Where did you, you get, get the cash? No, I'm asking. They definitely knew. The no, girlfriends yeah, were no, in I, on I, it. I definitely, especially this one. This yeah. one was But even the other one was changing no, cars I, and all exactly. of that. You don't just do that. And meeting him secretly. Yeah. Why? The rental company gave authorities her, her destination, which was a house in the mountains outside of Denver. FBI agents in the U- and the U.S. Marshals then watched over from the cover of the woods surrounding the house. Because there was now a baby involved, they obviously needed to be more cautious because by this time the baby had been born. Mm. At one point, they observed the girlfriend leaving the house with another man, and, and some of the marshals then followed the two into town. They saw that the mom didn't have the baby when they went into the restaurant, so they checked the car, but the infant wasn't there, so it meant that the baby was still at the house with Joe. Mm. They then arrested the girlfriend and the male associate, and the girlfriend confirmed that Dacrity and the infant child were still inside the house, which means they needed to resolve the situation peacefully. The FBI negotiator then placed a call to the house, but Joe hung up. So the negotiator later phoned back and told him to come out of the house as he already had the girlfriend and the complex that um, in custody and asked him to consider the child's safety and surrender peacefully. He actually did. He then came out the house and was arrested without a struggle. And once the baby was out of the way, the, they began to search the house and discovered thir- 16 firearms, all hidden, all loaded, all charged and ready to defend the house. So obviously, I think he did, didn't want to hurt his kids. So mm. I do think he... And I mean, they had like a, a couple of snipers set out. They were surrounded. He, did, he wasn't getting out of there yeah. alive. Joe was charged and held for trial in Oklahoma. Almost a year and a half later, on June 19, 1985, two U.S. Marshals were transporting Terry Connor and Joseph Dacrity to Oklahoma City House. Now, the reason they were together was because Joe, uh, Joseph had called Terry as like a witness or something, so they were going to the courthouse together. With smuggled in jailhouse contraband, a handcuff key and a razor blade, they never planned on arriving at the courthouse as they overpowered the marshals, handcuffed them to a tree, stole their weapons, badges, and car. Hectically exciting. Right? So we've yes. gone bank robbery, we've been fugitive, and now we're breaking out of custody. Right. Yeah. Security cameras then captured their next crime as they committed two small-scale bank robberies in St. Louis. And they believed it was because they needed quick cash before they got into their regular routine. They believed, well, the FBI agents, that these two would be coming back to strike again. And obviously, a bank officer and his family were going to be targets. Mm. Two months later, the police in West Alice, Wisconsin, received news of a bank robbery. It was obviously the familiar pattern of two gunmen taking hold uh, of the bank president and his wife and taking them hostage and again then making them help rob the bank and they had a once again they had a lookout the fugitives were bolder as they no longer used disguises and I remember in the interview I was watching the guy was even like oh the FBI know who we are yeah so like I mean, that's bold. Yeah. Like, they'll know our names. Yeah. They literally said, no, they all know our names. I was like, you guys, hectic stuff. The, uh, Connor and Dacrity were placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives list. Hectic. 
agents later got hold of a man who they thought had been one of their lookouts. At first, the man refused to answer questions about Connor and Dacherty, which went on for five days, and as he was afraid of facing Connor and Dacherty in court. Later, in hopes of getting a reduced sentence, he agreed to cooperate but not testify. They said he didn't need to testify because they had enough on them. They basically just needed a way to catch them. He revealed how Connor and Dacherty chose the banks they robbed and how they traveled and how they communicated through hotel front desks. Mm. So, one of them was call up and make a reservation in the name of a former prison warden the other one would then call up and ask if the person had checked in yet when the switchboard operator said no they hadn't they'd say well can I leave a message for him and when the other one then came in he would get the message that was left for him wow, okay. brilliant right like how I'm like this is how we do crime there's listening to these messages I mean, we, we, at some point I'm like I want to hear what they say I'm sorry we don't do crime but if you do crime this is how you do crime <laughs> guys I'm sorry the most important piece of information he gave at this point was that of the name of another man who was helping Conan Dacherty rob banks his name was John Harris agents found Harris in Tucson Arizona after surveilling him they saw him making and receiving calls at a certain payphone they then got a warrant to tap the phone and listen into Conan and Dacherty they learned the fugitives were calling from Chicago and were planning another robbery the special agents in the FBI Chicago field office then distributed photos of the fugitives to the area hotels. One phoned in and said, listen, there's a guy here that looks like Jack Reddy. Yeah. And they also then, when they went through the registers of the hotel, they realized one of the aliases had to be Connor. Mm. So then they needed to confront Connor. They got there and realized he was in his room, but they wanted to do it outside the room to avoid a standoff. They were very concerned it would get violent because Connor had said and vowed that he would never be taken alive. Mm. When he didn't come out of his room, they didn't let him have the... Oh, when he did come out of his room, they didn't give him the chance to get away. They literally pounced on him. (laughs) (laughs) And Connor was arrested. However, Joe Dacherty had seen the police as he was driving in, so he had obviously gone out. And as he drove in, he saw them, phoned the switchboard saying, listen, what's going on? When they're like, oh, this has happened. He then fled... And so the agents then had to search the area but didn't find him. One thing they know is that he would continue to commit robberies. Yeah. So they believed that this, they called on, they continued to follow John Harris and learned that Harris had recently flown to San Francisco. And again, they spotted Harris repeatedly use a certain payphone and ordered another tap being put on the phone. And a week later, they realized Joe was also in San Francisco. He himself had been surveilling John Harris to make sure he hadn't been followed. Hmm. That's, I mean, you're surveilling your own lookout. (laughs) He planned a meeting for the next morning there in San Francisco, but agents were waiting for him. And he was arrested and the nationwide manhunt had come to an end. Terry Connor and Joseph Dacherty were then tried for their most recent crimes. They each received two life sentences plus 139 years without parole. And they were kept in separate federal prisons. Their partnership forever terminated. I just want to say Joe Dacherty is very impressive. Right? I'm like, Terry, bro, I broke you out and you're going back. In. Like, what but is you your know problem? What my thing is, what's so surprising is that Terry was originally the brains yeah, of the Yeah, so like how he kept getting, well, I guess 
But I feel like, Joe maybe had he more was street experience. smart. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Joe knew how to keep himself under the radar. Yeah, but I mean, I I loved how you were phoning the lookouts from different cities. Yeah. We were using but different cars. What we I didn't using- like was that the lookout was using the same phone the whole time. That's stupid. It is stupid. But I mean, using the hotel, uh, what's it called? The front desk to communicate. Like I usually wouldn't. But in this story, I am going to say the FBI were very impressive. No, I also agree. Like, they were on top of this yeah. place. They, they didn't let it slide. They were... The fact that they were even managed to track them after yeah. all the identities, all the yeah. cars, girlfriends helping out, other people helping out. I mean... That was hectic. I wonder what happened. So, you know, D- Joseph had the other partner while Terry was in prison. Did he just drop that other partner? <laughs> like, I'm going back. Isn't he the male accomplice that was arrested with the girlfriend? Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. Then yeah. Because he, he didn't get arrested. And then they were like, like we're uh, not yeah. breaking you out. Just stay but where you, you are. Think, do you think they had the plan that, listen, if we get arrested, this is how we're going to break I out? I think so. Because I, think, I don't think it was an accident that he called Terry to be a witness on his case. Yeah. Okay, but number one, why are you transporting them together? Yeah, that's stupid. And why were there only two of you in the car? Like, where's the backup? Right. Hello? And like, what? I think also that um, the plan was probably if one of us gets arrested, the other one will get the other one out. But if we both get arrested, this is what we do. No, I definitely think they had a plan. These people were, I mean, the fact that even at the houses, no evidence was left. Like, they were yeah. clean. They were smart. Yeah. The Except Terry. Terry wasn't clean because when they checked his car, they found receipts and all sorts of yeah. stuff. And I think Joe um, got himself caught I, when he parked his car by the FBI. That was stupid. I really do, though, think that Joe was probably the street smart. Mm. I think that's why he survived much longer than Terry. Mm. Mm. And then, especially now, because Terry had given him this brilliant idea on yeah. how to do the robberies. Yeah. I mean, Joe, he flew. was like, let's go. I'll do it. You just say it, I'll do it. He's one of those people that can't come up with the plan, mm. but he can execute the, the plan. plan. So I found this this case very interesting. Well done, Danielle. <laughs> your your once... privileges for picking topics have not been revoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I always love a good heist story. Yeah. I love heist movies. It's just a thing. Yeah. But I really thought this was well done. Uh, okay, not hear my heart and not my words, yeah. please. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And... I mean, it went on for quite a while because they started in 1982 and they only got arrested officially like a couple of years later. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty For two guys. I mean, it's not a whole operation. It's not not like the Pink Panthers where Mm. they have a whole organization behind them. If you haven't listened to that show, go listen to it. Go listen to that show. uh, this is two men. Okay, yeah. like you said, they had a couple of accomplices, and they must have had. People said they also believe there was a getaway driver. Yeah, because the guys often just hopped in the car and the and car sped off. So there were probably uh, several people, more people that were involved. But yeah. I just loved how professionally things were handled, like the phone booths in different cities yeah. and the way they communicated and using prison warden names like yeah it's kind of like a stab at the police like yeah we're using your own people so i i i enjoyed this case yeah and like it said, would be nice if they broke heist. out again after that i time. wonder if that let me google if they're still alive i don't think so might be but boy would they have a story to tell oh my goodness imagine sitting with your no, no, grandfather no, 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 and he's telling sorry. you all of these stories because joseph dacrity 
it's had a child. Yeah. Oh, I want to... No, but it would be cool to know an old person who used to do crime. <laughs> that would be so cool. Tell like, me you, your like, story. You're sitting at the old age home and they're telling you all these yeah. really cool stories. And, oh, man. That's so cool. It is cool. Okay, I can't find if he's dead or alive. But, well, they were probably maybe in their, like, 30s 40s in the 80s so yeah. they could still be alive they could be yeah. about 70 80s year old yeah possible it's clever though I, I agree that they kept them in separate prisons after yeah because if they're in the same prison man's they were not staying there very long <laughs> they would have had I like a like whole they, Alcatraz breakout they on their own weren't strong enough I feel like they needed each mm. other because when they were together they did the most yeah exactly breaking out of custody yeah, yeah it's and I mean, like you said, I mean, Terry, they obviously after they robbed that bank, split up. And I think if they'd stayed together, yeah. I don't think Terry would have been caught the first time. No, I don't time. think so, because Terry needed... Jo- but I also think Terry was Joe's calm, because mm. he became more violent, violent. when Terry wasn't they needed, there. They definitely needed each yeah. other. And even the second time, I mean, the, the second time they were still together. But yeah. I mean, by that time, the FBI were really hot on their trail. Yeah. But I feel like in the beginning, if they had stuck together, I think this might have been a very different story. Yeah, I think so. Where there is team, there's conquest, I'm just saying. Not for criminals. <laughs> don't take tips here. <laughs> Please don't rob a bank. I didn't tell you to do that. Just... <laughs> ah, but that is all for this week. We will see you next time. But from now until next week, no mourners. No funerals. <laughs> Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. It's Active Affair.